You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. And I just want to go over a few things here today to show you what a difference in gun rights can make to criminals. Because most people just assume, well, let's say, say most gun grabbers assume guns are bad, they're going to cause crime, they're going to have problems, that's what's going to cause the violence in society. But as it turns out, I think I talked about this last week a little bit, they have expanding gun rights in Brazil not too long ago. They opened up um, getting permits and people who can own guns, and the crime rate fell by more than a quarter. Almost immediately. But now, of course, from what I understood, after talking to Victor from On Point with Victor, he said they have gone the other way again and elected liberals again who tend, who tend to go the other way and pull back on rights. But it just goes to show you, you give people the right to defend themselves, the, the, the right to have a weapon to keep, to protect their house, their family, themselves, their property, and cr- criminals are not going to want to take that on. Most criminals are lazy. And they're skittish, they're scared, they're not very brave. That's why they do what they do. So if we can keep gun rights in this country and keep them active, I think we will have a much better way to control criminal activity. Instead of the gun grabbers telling you, oh, the guns are causing the crime. No, legitimately owned, law-abiding citizens with weapons do not cause crime. And that's been shown time after time after time. And sure, there are a few instances of this happening, but overall, I would say 90% of the people who have legally owned guns are not going to cause any problems in this, in this arena. Most of it is done by illegal people having guns, people who are already criminals, things like that will go a long way to causing crime. So you want to stop crime? Let people, let law-abiding citizens have guns and defend themselves. Brazil has shown that worked perfectly for them. Drop their, they were one of the, they were one of the murder capitals of the world. I think in the top 10 of homicide rates in the world. And they dropped their rate of violent crime by over 27%. Now let's come back to this country for a minute. Now it seems as if in New York, Manhattan's trendiest neighborhoods are being terrorized by thieves. The stats are showing that the crime is up over 60% from what it was just a couple of years prior. A lot of this is, of course, due to the state's lax bail laws for dumping suspects back on the street again. So they perform a crime even if they get caught. They're out within within hours. They're back out doing whatever they want to do, robbing people, terrorizing people, stealing things. And, of course, there's also they change the amount of a grand larceny or theft to $1,000 or more. So anything less than $1,000... Can be, prosec- can be prosecuted as just a misdemeanor, which means minimal time in, in jail. Your court case probably won't even show up. You'll probably just get a slap on the wrist and get back on the street momentarily. And they're showing with the lax bail policy that is exactly what's happening. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but this same thing happened in San Francisco as well. They dropped the grand larceny rates down uh, – you know, they, they raised the grand larceny rates to like $950 as opposed to like a hundred or $150. And of course, crime skyrocketed. But it's like the criminals know they're going to get, get away with this. I mean, there, there's people talking about they've been, ro- they robbed clothing stores. They robbed twice in one week by the same gang. 
a clothing store in, in New York. In fact, it's so bad that the mayor's had a summit with business leaders at Gracie Mansion earlier this month to deal with the spike in retail thefts. And, of course, he left the two-hour meeting after 20 minutes. Yeah, granted, that's going to do a whole lot to sit there and listen for 20 minutes and not realize what the problem is. And we go to Lower Manhattan. There was a a frame shop that was robbed in September. Ground larceny skyrocketed 60%. 998 incidences. That's over a thousand incidences of grand larceny in just a year's increase. It, it's, it's ridiculous. And the reason why, cause the politicians don't care. They want to make less work for the police, which is fine. And they want to have more crime so they can push for more gun control. And the gun control, of course, only affects those who are abiding by the law anyway. Only law abiding citizens are affected by gun laws. Criminals don't care. That's why they're criminals. And it's crazy because sometimes they even go for stuff over $1,000 and they still don't track them down because, well, you know, the difference between 1000 and $1,100 is not that much. So there's a man who reported a robbery in a jewelry store. He said, oh, he was looking around. He asked to see one of the rings. The guy showed him the ring. <clears throat> and then he asked to see a pair of glasses, Cartier glasses. He liked them. They were nice. Then, instead of just looking at them, putting them back down, they buzzed somebody into the store. He saw an opportunity, and he ran. Took off. The door was still open. He ran out because they'd have to buzz you in and out. And if you went to the door and there was nobody coming in, you wouldn't be able to get outside. They would have to buzz you out, so they would have prevented the theft. <sighs> it's insane. And now, of course, you know, because the gun laws are so restrictive in New York, it's very difficult to get a weapon. But now, apparently, with the permits having to be shall issue, meaning if there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to have a gun, you should be able to get a permit without a problem. Is that going to help crime or hurt crime? I would imagine if a criminal walks into a store and sees somebody armed, it's going to stop them from possibly committing that crime. They'll go somewhere where it's easier, where they're not as in, in as much danger. But the guy at the jewelry store says, we're ready if anyone tries to pull that same stunt again. I have a big machete if I need it. So there you go. Even if you don't have guns, there are other weapons you can have to help stop this. It's crazy that people are just putting up with this. I mean, they go to this meeting to meet the mayor to discuss the problem. He leaves a two-hour hour slotted meeting after 20 minutes because he has no interest in helping these people. He has no interest in, defend, in letting them defend themselves. He has his own personal bodyguards. What does he care about you? He doesn't. He's a politician in New York. All they care about is getting reelected. And making money trying to find ways to make connections that they can use after they get out of office. And they also said tourists are getting robbed right on the block. So if you go to New York, if you're a tourist, watch out. The crime rate is up. They've and One store said they had had surveillance footage of robberies five times outside their store. The police asked for uh, camera footage to see if they could identify somebody. It's just, it's crazy because they're not prosecuting the criminals. There is no repercussions for committing the crime. And also, they're having problems with pickpockets. Apparently, the subways now are having a huge increase in the number of pickpockets working the subways. And this is something that's extremely difficult to catch because most people don't realize it's happened till 
far after the event took place. So if you do go to, 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 to New York, be aware of your surroundings, secure your belongings, make sure you would know if anybody tried to take them. In fact, the New York Police Department Transit Bureau has formed a special team of detectives and officers dedicated solely to nailing pickpockets. But, you know, even if they get caught. So they go in, the bail is zero if it's under $1,000 worth, and boom, they walk out again, they go right back to the subway and go at it one more time. You know, it's just, it's gone through this vicious cycle. As they get more conservative leaders who push for more punishment for criminals instead of less, the crime rate drops. Because the criminal looks at it and goes, well, if I go in, I'm going to spend 12 months minimum for committing a personal robbery. Now I get out in, in 30 minutes with a $50 bond and I'm done. I'm out again to work the rest of the day. So Greenwich Village, a very uh, nice area in New York. Larcenies have dropped 57%. 57% more larcenies in Greenwich Village. It's just, it's insane. You know, these people will steal anything of any kind of value and you, and you call the police and by the time they get there, it's too late anyway. If they do catch them, if it's less than a thousand dollars, they get right, right back out on the street. So you have to defend yourself. You have to be your own first defender. And I have a feeling what's going to happen in New York is these businesses are going to get to the point where they're going to stop wanting to put themselves out there. They're going to stop wanting to risk everything that they have to invest in getting a business started in order to have somebody walk in and steal it with no repercussions. So it's, you know, it's, that's the way it works. Less, less punishment for crimes equals more crimes. It's been that way throughout history. And everybody knows it, but nobody seems to want to do anything about it because they hate the guns so much they don't realize a law-abiding citizen can protect themselves, his neighbors, his family, his friends so easily from people who are cowards, from people who are will come in and try and steal something because they don't want to work for it. It's just ridiculous. Another suspect approached an 82-year-old man sitting on a stoop, snatched his cell from his hand, and then ran on his bicycle. There's just who grabs the phone out of somebody's hand like this. But even if they catch them, it's a misdemeanor. Phone's worth less than a thousand dollars, and whoever eyes, whoever decides to estimate that, boom, he's back on the street in minutes. Grand Larceny's in the fifth precinct, up fifty percent. In the thirteenth precinct, incident is up twenty five percent, and that's low. That's fairly low. You know, one employee got punched in the face because these criminals have no fear of anybody doing anything to them. So you know what? I think it's time we put the fear back into their hearts. We put the fear back into their families to know if their if their family members are committing crimes, there's a good chance they may not come home that night. They may take a couple bullets to the chest. You know, it's going to be it's going to have to take something so to be severe to stop them. And don't tell me, "Oh, well if you shoot somebody for stealing, you value your stuff more than you value their life." If they try and steal the stuff, they value that stuff more than they value their life. They made that choice. I didn't make a choice for them. They made it. I just reaffirm the fact that they will not steal from me. So be aware of that. And also consider this. Someone steals something from you, whether it be a car, a bicycle, patio furniture, whatever. They're stealing stuff that you had to pay for. And you paid for that how? By working hours and hours and hours to make the money to pay for it. So basically, they're stealing part of your life when they steal things that you purchase for your home, for your family, for yourself. They're stealing part of your life. That's why we used to hang horse thieves. 
And we should hang car thieves also. I mean, if you had your car stolen and you couldn't go to work, you couldn't provide for your family, they could basically wreck your entire life by stealing your car. So keep that in mind. You know, these people, they're stealing just because they don't want to work. Well, now it's time to put them back to work, either on a chain gang or let them fear enough to go back to work because they don't want to get shot. They don't want to get pounded into the ground by an angry citizen. There's no reason to let these criminals get away with this. We have everything we need to stop the crime, but the politicians have to not be stupid. They have to not be on the side of the of the criminals and turn the criminals into victims because the criminals will take advantage of that every single time, will continue to steal, loot, riot, rob, whatever they want to do to make money, especially if the consequences are less than they have been in the past. That's going to increase the crime tremendously. There's going to be no way that criminals won't just come out and say, well, gee, if I don't get thrown in jail for any length of time, why don't I try it anyway? Cost me an afternoon of my time. But, you know, I've always been amazed at the fact that criminals seem to be ahead of the curve on knowing what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. And, you know, they they almost knew from the get-go as soon as the law changed on on bail. Right, right. There they went. And it, it's amazing how they seem to be able to... Uh, well, I'm sure word gets out on the street. I mean, these guys talk to each other. You know, they say, you know, honor among thieves. I, at least there's probably communication among thieves. Yeah. Hey, I got thrown in jail. I was out like 30 minutes later. I didn't have to post bond or anything. You know, I got a court date, which I'm not going to go to anyway. But, you know, here I am. Let's do this again. Yeah. Find <laughs> me on the street. I don't have an address. Yeah. No, no consequences. So there you go. You know. Who wouldn't want to do that? You know, if there was no, if the risk was that minimal, shoot, it almost makes you want to go try it. You know, who knows? You can make a good, good living stealing stuff in, in New York City, apparently. Well, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I hope no other states will follow with this kind of trend. And it's a shame that the police can't do more to put these guys away to stop them from preventing a more long term than just letting them run through a revolving door in the court system. There's no excuse for that whatsoever. And you know what? You people who live in these places, you need to vote to fix it. You don't like the politicians and what they're doing? Vote them out. Don't let them stay if they're not protecting you, doing their jobs, or doing what you think they should be doing. If you've been robbed, if you've been pickpocketed, don't vote for the guys who put this policy in place. Kick them out. Start over with a new set of guys. I'm not telling you which party to vote for, but start over. Get some people in there who at least will stand up for your rights. All right, we'll be back right after these messages. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. 
It's all about cars and car people on the Classic Auto Mall podcast. Listen to new shows every week on AmericasWebRadio.com at 9 a.m. Eastern. After that, episodes are available there and on podcast providers such as Spotify and Google Play. Each week, Classic Auto Mall president Stuart Howden serves as your podcast host and interviews personalities from every aspect of the automotive world. Collectors, photographers, classic car dealers, and everyone in between. You don't want to miss an episode of the Classic Auto Mall podcast. Check out more at ClassicAutoMall.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. I am Roger B. Unlocked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. I have to bring up something real quick here. It looks like we're going to have a mix in the Congress and the Senate, so there may be a chance that gun legislation can be a subject of this next legislative session. And, of course, with Democrats in charge or liberals in charge, there's going to be a push for gun control of some sort. Now, what are they going to go after? They're going to go after the least deadly weapons we have as far as numbers of people killed with them. They're going to go after rifles, particularly what they label assault rifles, which are a certain style of rifle. That's all it is. It has certain accessories on it that make it look more dangerous to these people who have no idea what they're talking about. But the fact of the matter is rifles killed maybe four to 500 people a year, while pistols are responsible for almost 8,000 the other 8,000 deaths caused by by weapons. And of those 8,000 deaths, over 50% of them are suicides. So when you start drilling the numbers down, the chance of actually being shot by a rifle is astronomically small to the point of being a statistical anomaly. It's insane. But yet these are the things they want to take away first. Why? Because they can make people who have no idea what they're looking at look at it and say, oh, that looks dangerous not realizing they can show them two guns that that are the exact same with the exception of a couple of accessories which do nothing to increase the firepower or effectiveness of the weapon, but yet one will look dangerous like an assault weapon, the other one looks like a regular rifle, so I don't have any interest in that. But the way these politicians word their restrictions, they're going to word them to limit the action. If it's a semi-automatic rifle, no matter what kind of accessories it may or may not have, that's going to be the biggest thing they go after. And one reason for that is a semi-automatic rifle is probably one of the main things that they see in countries being used if there's political unrest, uprising, coups, war with other countries. A semi-automatic rifle is your best defense. In the Ukraine, when Russia came in, they were passing out semi-automatic or select fire rifles. Rifles are the number one point of defense in a military type skirmish. And I guess the government sees this as their biggest threat. You're kind of wondering after 240 some odd years what is the government planning on doing that they don't want you to be armed for? Why do they want to take these away? And they'll tell you it's for the children, it's for the protection of neighborhoods, when in reality the numbers of people killed with rifles is so very small it's literally a statistical anomaly. And now of the people killed, a lot of them are accidents, hunting accidents. Some are suicides. So the number of people murdered with rifles is extremely low. But yet these are some of the most effective weapons you can buy for personal defense in a scenario where you you may have to fight multiple assailants. So that's the ones they want to take away. The ones that can protect you the best are the ones they want to take away first. And mark my words, if they go after this, 
They're going to start with the same silly things they did before. They're going to start banning standard capacity magazines and let you only have restricted capacity magazines. But why? The police department, the bodyguards of politicians, they can all have whatever they want. Whatever kind of weapons, whatever kind of magazines, whatever kind of accessories they want, they can have. So the politicians are telling you basically, we're more important than you. You don't deserve to be able to protect yourself the way we do because we are more important than you. We don't care about your family. We just care about us. There's so many of you little pawns and peons out there. We don't care if you guys get killed in some sort of incident because we took away your ability to have a weapon. We just care that we're protected. So keep that in mind when you vote this year, people, or next year. Keep in mind who you vote for. Make sure they're willing to defend your Second Amendment rights. Because a problem, it's forming in this country. It's getting worse and worse. And now that they want to stop letting people use cash, that's going to cause a major issue. Because now they're starting a credit card code tracking system, which means if you buy something at a gun store, whether it be a a tent or camping equipment, or whether it's a gun, it's going to be reported to credit card companies or to the Treasury Department's Financial Crime Enforcement Network to in order to determine if you're preparing to commit a crime or if you're a dangerous person. And this is, I mean, this is their assuming guilty until proven innocent, which is against the, the American system of justice from the start. There's no way you should ever be assumed to be guilty before being prosecuted. Other than, of course, with the IRS, because they love to do that. You're always guilty there until they prove you prove you innocent. So that's what they're going to push for here with the credit card tracking program. So be aware of that. If you're using credit cards to buy guns, be aware that there may be some tracking there. They may be able to put your name into onto a list of someone who owns a gun. Whether you own a gun or not, if you bought it at a place that predominantly sells guns, you're going to be on that list. Now, last time I checked, I'd have to double-check this to see if it's still accurate, but... MasterCard, Visa, and American Express were all involved in the tracking program. The only one that was not going to participate was Discover Card. I don't know if they've been coerced or blackmailed into participating, but last I checked, they were a holdout. They were not going to participate in tracking any gun purchases. So if you want to protect your gun rights, it seems like that's the best way to go. I would certainly investigate that further before making that a... a uh, a confirmed statement because at the time I first did the research on this, they were not involved in tracking. So if you want to stop them from tracking you, use a Discover card or use cash. And, of course, the government now is trying to stop cash purchases of anything more than $600. They want to track that. They want to look at everything you buy, everything you do. They want to take control of your lives. Could you imagine if they limit cash and go cashless everywhere? Imagine going to a garage sale to try and buy something for a couple of bucks. You'd have to use your credit card to buy $5 worth of junk at a garage sale. How are you going to pay the the kids in the neighborhood when they sell lemonade on the corner? They're going to have to have a Venmo or a Zelle for you to send them some money. You can't even carry a couple bucks for parking. You have to pay that through credit card now. They want to track everything you do, everywhere you go, and that it's it's so invasive and so against civil rights. I hope they stop this. I hope some of the civil rights activists will jump in on this and say, you know what, this is too much. This is going too far. <clears throat> you can't do it like this. you got to stop this. And unfortunately, the newest generation is coming up. That's all they've ever known. They pay for everything with electronic forms of payment. 
Most of them don't carry hardly any cash at all, if anything. I mean, how are you going to even use a vending machine unless it's equipped to accept credit cards? Do you imagine buying a Coke and a candy bar for a vending machine having to use your credit card to do that? How secure would that be? I mean, those readers and everything can be Someone vandalizes the machine, they can take the reader out with all the information and all the credit card information you put on there. So be aware of that, too. And, of course, identity theft is so rarely prosecuted and so rarely has any results of them catching anybody who does it. Now, a lot of it is linked to big places overseas, but the authorities don't really want to do anything about it because there's no money in it for them. There's no glory in it for them. Catching identity thieves is not... It's it's just not glorious. It's not you don't get your picture in the newspaper in front of a pile of drugs as you would if you caught five identity thieves who are terrorizing hundreds of people. So you're going to have to watch out for yourself for yourself on this and I don't even know. I'm not a financial advisor, so I'm not going to tell you what to do, but take steps to help protect your identity because could you imagine someone getting your credit cards, buying a bunch of guns on it? And then it gets tracked back to you because they stole your identity. And here you are coming off as some sort of crazy person with too many guns. Yeah. Credit card tracking of gun purchases strictly. Now, maybe if they want to track child pornography, sure. Track that all you want. That's illegal. It shouldn't be done. But law-abiding citizens exercising a constitutional, protect, constitutionally protected right should not be tracked. <coughs> That is a total violation of civil rights. And I hope this comes to a point where we can actually challenge it. Because there is no reason for anybody to be tracking your credit card purchases other than maybe they want to have a list of everybody who buys guns so when it comes time, they'll know whose doors to knock on in order to confiscate weapons that they suddenly decide are now illegal, or now you're not allowed to have these, or we changed the law, so now you're a criminal if you maintain that particular weapon. And it's it's unfortunate, but, you know, a lot of things now they're not grandfathering in, like with the bump stocks. People bought these in good faith with the ATF's approval, and then when they became illegal... They didn't compensate anybody for the money they spent. They didn't grandfather anybody in. These just became illegal to own or possess or sell. So you couldn't get rid of it. You basically had to destroy it or hand it into a government agency with no compensation for what you paid for it. Now, that's a violation. You can't do that without... Without just compensation, you can't change the law, turn somebody into a criminal, and cause them any kind of financial cost. That's not legal. I forgot what it's called. There's a term for that, and I can't remember what it's called. But could you imagine if they did that to everything? Oh, wait, you have a car that has over 400 horsepower. Oh, that's illegal now, so you're going to have to hand it in or destroy it or something. You can't keep it anymore. You're not allowed to have that particular that particular engine is now illegal, so you have to destroy or hand in your car. I know that's a pretty extreme version of it, but it's the same sort of thing. It's insane. All right, we got to come back after a short break. This is Roger B. on Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. On August 8th, 2022, in violation of the Fourth Amendment, the FBI performed a most egregious search of a former president's home. The Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution provides that the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated 
and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched, and the persons or things to be seized. The Fourth Amendment originally enforced the notion that each man's home is his castle, secure from unreasonable searches and seizures of property by the government. We must take a stand, and take back our country. If you love classic cars, you're gonna wanna listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We are back. I am Roger B., and you're listening to Locked and Loaded. Now, before I get into my final piece here, I want to just mention this little quip that came off the NRA's Facebook page. Today, a Parkland shooting victim's dad, nonprofit, he started a nonprofit after the Parkland shooting when he lost his daughter in that shooting. After 2018, he partnered with a self-defense company called Berna to provide a sheriff's office office with AR-15s and body armor. This is a guy whose daughter was killed during a shooting. He donates AR-15s to a sheriff's office to help protect schools in Florida. Because he knows the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. You know, you can talk to him all you want. Try and talk him off the ledge. Stop him from shooting you. And then when you're laying bleeding on the ground because it didn't work, how are you going to stop that? You're not. This guy has a really good grasp of what it takes to defend people, to protect people, and prevent things like this from happening again. There's just there's no reason why anybody should say take the guns away from law-abiding citizens in order to protect people who commit criminal acts. It's just there's no reason for that whatsoever. Look at the data, people. Look at the statistics, folks. It's out there. You can find it on your own. I could sit there and tell you about it all day long. Go out and do your own research. Find it for yourself so you can actually hear it from somebody other than me. More guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens prevent crime. It's always been that way. It probably always will be. So keep that in mind when you vote. Don't vote for idiots who are going to take your guns away. They don't believe in the Constitution, and when they stand up there and swear to uphold the Constitution, and then they vote for something that violates the Second Amendment, clears can be, they're violating their oath of office, and they don't care because no one is going to hold them accountable. So try and hold them accountable. All right, I want to get into something real quick here. Well, not real quick. I want to cover this because this is something that I have found in the last few years that has been an amazing increase in usability of certain types of weapons that before this were basically just kind of novelties. And that is the invention and approval of the use of the pistol brace. For those of you who know, a pistol brace is something that has some sort of securing device where you can hold the large pistol with your hand, right or left-handed, and then it has a a support system that will wrap around your forearm, elbow, right around there, in order to brace it to be able to use a large pistol more easily. It was originally designed to help a, um, it was a veteran who had had an arm amp- amputated. In order for him to use a larger pistol or an AR-15, he needed that arm brace because they didn't have a second arm to hold it with. And it made it much easier for him to do that. So that's great. And now they've become very mainstream. You can get them almost anywhere for almost any type of weapon. And it, to me, it's probably one of the best inventions 
of the, of the 21st century as far as advancing the freedom of gun rights. Because they allow anyone to own a legal pistol that is the controllability of a short-barreled rifle. Now, these will come in a variety of calibers. The most popular caliber, probably most of all, that the that the pistol braces put on is the standard AR-556 cartridge or .223 cartridge or the 762 by 39 which is the Russian AK cartridge. Both of these are probably... The combination of those two is probably the most popular pistols to put braces on. Now, a pistol, according to... The government is anything that has a barrel length of less than 16 inches. So if you have a anything less than 16 inches has to be a pistol. And a pistol may not have a stock on it without being a short-barreled rifle, which requires you to get special permits, a stamp, a $200 fee for that. This enables you, as long as you're a legal gun buyer of a pistol in your city, state, county, country, you can buy this pistol brace and have it installed or buy the pistol with the brace already installed and be able to use this in a similar fashion that you would a short-barreled rifle. Now, the short-barreled rifle was limited back in, I think, 1934. They passed the, uh, the one of the original weapons bans or, or weapon laws. Restrictive weapon laws was first passed in 1934. And that put the tax stamp on short-barreled rifles, on suppressors, on fully automatic weapons, or select-fire weapons. And for some reason, the short-barreled rifle got tossed into this group of of things, which I, maybe at the time they thought short-barreled rifles would be that much more deadly than a rifle of a little longer length. I don't quite understand that, because you can have a 14-inch rifle, and that's not a rifle. It's a pistol, unless you get a special permit for it. But anyway, now with the advent, with the invention and embracing of the pistol brace, the game has changed. You can buy pistol braces for these weapons and use them almost as effectively as you can any kind of short barrel rifle without having to pay special fees. That is huge. Now the only disadvantage to this, especially with a 5.56 cartridge and a 7.6239, the AK cartridge, is that these cartridges were designed for rifles. They're designed to burn powder in a 14 to 17 inch, 14 to 18 inch range. I think the AR burns in a minimum of like 14 and a half inches and the AK I think is designed for even more than that. So when you shoot these out of a pistol-length barrel, you're going to get a lot of muzzle flash. A lot of the unburned powder is going to come out of the the barrel, unburned, and cause a big muzzle flash without creating any energy or power velocity downrange. Now, don't get me wrong. These cartridges still have a tremendous amount of power, but you're not getting the maximum effect. But if you want compactness over the power, then get a pistol brace, find one of these cartridges, and jump right in on this trend. I would recommend doing it sooner rather than later because you never know. The ATF has already been back and forth on this thing a few times as to legality and sizes and lengths of things, and there's still some discrepancy. So you'd have to see how that pans out. They keep going back and forth on a lot of it. But with the advent of the pistol brace, other cartridges have come out that give us an advantage and one, the most popular one is probably the 300 Blackout. 300 Blackout or 300 AAC, I think it was called, was designed to burn all of its powder in a short 30 caliber cartridge in a 9-inch barrel. Now, a 9-inch barrel put with a pistol brace that folds over or folds under or 
<clears throat> that moose can be made into a very short compact package even on an AR platform it still makes for a very short compact package easy to handle especially in an urban environment when a longer barrel can become rather awkward difficult to maneuver around now it's funny because um this was what you I guess you would call this a rifle caliber carbine but it's not really a carbine because a carbine denotes a rifle but they're going to work the same as a rifle caliber carbine versus a pistol caliber carbine, which of course is a pistol caliber rifle. It's, I know the terminology gets kind of, kind of messy sometimes and it's hard to do, but, but that's something to consider when you're building or buying one of these things. You have to buy it as a pistol a lot of times. And I'm not sure from what I remember, you can convert a rifle to a pistol, but you cannot convert a pistol to a rifle. You'd have to check that because that may change on a weekly basis. I'm not sure. But one thing to keep in mind when building or buying your rifle caliber rifle cartridge pistol is that the heavier the bullet you're firing, the shorter barrel will work better with heavier bullets. It transmits more power down range, limits the amount of muzzle flash you're going to get. But, of course, the longer the barrel, the less compact the package is going to be. But sometimes that's all you really need. You want to cut down your, you know, or get a, uh, a 5.56 barrel or AR cartridge in a barrel maybe 12 to 14 inches long, more of its ideal size. That would be great. It's perfect for that. Now, if you run it much shorter than that, you are going to shoot a lot of unburned powder out the barrel. But the heavier the bullet you can use, the better off it's going to be in a short barrel configuration. And the pistol brace will gain the most advantage by running on a heavier, heavier bullet in a shorter barrel. So... Heavier bullets, more power with a shorter barrel. Take advantage of that if you're building a short-barreled, if you're building a rifle-caliber pistol. <laughs> I think that's the would, would be the designation. Because it's not a rifle, it is a pistol that fires a rifle cartridge. And because of the advent of the brace, you can use it more similarly to a short-barreled rifle. Now, what this happens is... There are certain things to take an advantage. You want a heavier bullet. You want a larger bullet. So that's why the 30 caliber variety is 300 blackout, can runs at lower velocities. There are heavier bullets, bullets available in the AK cartridges, which will make you more effective and have better range while using a shorter barrel. So if you're looking for something like this, keep that in mind and know that, you know, you can shoot whatever you want out of it, but to get the most effective power transfer from a short-barreled rifle or a pistol chambered in a rifle cartridge, you're going to want to use the heaviest bullets possible. Now, another thing is a lot of these can be, if you have a suppressor, you can run them suppressed easier if they run heavier bullets and keep the velocity down. The 300 blackout is the ideal cartridge for that. In fact, that's one of the, one of the things that was named. The blackout was because it was a heavy bullet shot in a short barrel, and didn't have a lot of muzzle flash, and if the velocities were kept under a thousand, a thousand fifty feet per second, it could easily be suppressed. So you have a suppressed cartridge, rifle cartridge, in a short barrel configuration that was just super compact, easy to carry, easy to use. It was a great, in- the invention of the 300 blackout was fantastic. I love it. I have a couple of them. I've shot a couple. They're really easy to control. They're easy to shoot, especially with a pistol brace or in a short barrel rifle configuration. Now, if you don't want to deal with a pistol brace and the possibility of going back and forth on the rights, you can also, once you get a tax stamp, 
you can build a short barrel rifle. You can put a stock on a short barrel on a rifle caliber pistol. <laughs> Trying to get my terminology straight here. Yeah, but you can have a rifle caliber pistol. You can put a stock on it if you apply for the tax stamp and get yourself a short barrel rifle tax stamp. But if you don't want to deal with the hassle of doing that, use a pistol brace. It works almost identically. So that's something to certainly consider. And the bigger the bullets, the more compressor compatible they are, and the more energy transfer you get. One of the most recent ones to come on the scene is a 350 Legend. Now, that's a straight-walled cartridge, and it runs heavier bullets. I think it's a 357 diameter for hunting and stopping power, a 357 diameter and an AR-sized cartridge. It runs, it's built to run in an AR platform. So I think a lot of people are adapting this or realizing that cartridges with heavier bullets that can burn powder in a shorter barrel are ideal candidates for running a pistol brace on and getting you the full advantage of using that pistol brace with a shorter barrel, making a more compact package. Now, these would also be good in hunting situations. If you're hunting in a place with a lot of brush, a lot of trees, and you don't want to have to maneuver a 16 to 20-inch rifle around, this would be a really good way to help help you gain an advantage. And in heavy brush like that, you're not going to need a lot of range. Range is not going to be a problem. It's going to be stopping power. You want to knock something down before it has a chance to run away. And this has led to a whole new crop of large caliber AR cartridges. Now, these have huge amounts of energy available. They things like the 45 or 50 caliber, the 450 Bushmaster, probably one of the most popular ones, the 458 SOCOM, another very popular one, and the 50 Beowulf. This is a 50 caliber cartridge designed to be fired out of a rifle. So it's got a heavy bullet, lower velocity, and it's meant for knockdown power. Uh, the 458 SOCOM was actually originally invented for special operations, oper- uh, special operations where they needed more knockdown power or more energy delivered from an AR platform. And these will, from what I understand, they will fit into a standard AR magazine, but in a single stack formation instead of double stack as the 5.56 is in. And the 450 Bushmaster, same thing. However, there are specific magazines if you want to optimize it. Now, the 50 Beowulf, I believe, requires a separate magazine, if I'm not mistaken. The 450 Bushmaster does better with a at least a feeding plate designed for it. So, and this is one of the one of the best ways to design a high energy AR type cartridge in a relatively compact package. I mean, the 45 caliber bullets. I believe there's a difference. There's a the 450 Bushmaster and the 458 SOCOM use different size bullets. They don't use the exact same bullet. The 458 SOCOM is probably one of the most powerful ones. It also has a, a huge variety of bullet weights available for it, but is also one of the most expensive cartridges in the 45 variety because of its bottleneck design and very limited manufacturing of the cartridges. While the 450 Bushmaster came out, it was designed by Bushmaster, released by them, and they procured ammunition companies to manufacture ammo for it before it came out. So it's a little bit cheaper to run those than it is the 458 SOCOM, although the 458 SOCOM is supposed to be one of the most effective in the large calibers. So, okay. And the biggest point is these weapons can be made more compact with a pistol brace. So 
embrace the pistol brace. It is a great accessory. It is fantastic. It gives you so many advantages from tactical room clearing to hunting in tight spaces. Everything from portability to weight handling. Can you imagine room clearing with a long barreled rifle? It just, it gets tough. It gets tight. All right, we're going to come back. I want to finish up on this when I come back. But just take a minute while I'm gone. When you're listening to the ads, think about clearing a room with a long-barreled rifle. All right, I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And now I want those of you who are listening before the break to think about that for a minute. Clearing a room with a long barrel rifle. Imagine going into a house, your house or an apartment, with a barrel that's 20 inches long, trying to go through doorways, navigate around corners, and protect yourself at the same time. It is awkward. It's difficult. It can cause problems. It can give you a tactical disadvantage that you don't want to have to deal with. So if you want to build a tactical weapon to defend a house with a tactical rifle to defend, well, no, I can't call it a rifle. It is a pistol. If you want to build a tactical rifle cartridge pistol to defend your house with, use the pistol brace. That's the way to go. It gains you that tactical advantage. That length is a lot less easier to maneuver. You can keep it within arm's length. Which is what you want to do. Imagine going around a corner with a 22-inch barrel, trying to go through a doorway with a 22-inch barrel and having to tuck it in or point it up or down. You get around the corner, somebody's there, you have to start raising your weapon instead of walking through with it aimed at, at body height. So it's much more effective for room clearing for small, tight quarters and things like that. Plus, the cartridges and ARs are generally very controllable, so there's usually not a lot of recoil with most of them. Now, from what I understand, some of the large caliber ones, the 4050 Bushmasters, 458 SOCOM, and 50 Cals, those have a little bit more recoil because they have a lot more energy. But when those hit, they hit with twice the energy of a small, of a 300 blackout or something like that because they are a huge bullet. So keep that in mind. Now, I wonder how many of you actually thought about that. But other actions that an AR platform can really be optimized for size are the ones that don't have a buffer tube. So if you had a 5.56 in a system that did not have that buffer tube sticking out the back, you could optimize that thing to be much smaller. Huge difference in length because if you get a folding or collapsible stock on it and you don't have to worry about the buffer tube sticking out of the back of it, that would make things even that much better. Now, all AK platforms don't. They have a buffer tube running over the top of the barrel. So all these can be equipped with folding stocks or folding collapsible stocks 
folding under, folding sideways, whatever, to give you a really short, compact package. Now, imagine that if you're driving. If you're in a car in a situation where you need to have a weapon at your ready, you could have that rifle cartridge pistol with a folding pistol brace or collapsible pistol brace and be able to secure it easily in a car and be able to bring it up and get it into action much more quickly than trying to dig a rifle out of a car. So that gives you a huge advantage. Now, another big advantage of these is the pistol caliber carbine. Now, these are pistol caliber rifles. They're rifles with 16-inch barrels. They can have collapsible folding stocks. All that's doable, but they're normally chambered in pistol cartridges. Anything, you know, uh, 22, 9mm, 45 caliber, or even 10mm. Anything that's a pistol cartridge chambered in a carbine is called a PCC, pistol caliber carbine. These are fun to shoot because the recoil from a pistol cartridge is very low in a rifle. Very controllable, easy to use. But again, you got to realize too, these pistol cartridges are designed to burn powder in a much shorter length. Than our rifle. So this, you're shooting a nine millimeter or a sixteen inch barrel. You get a complete powder burn. Every little bit of powder is burned. In fact, you may even. There are some cases recorded of certain heavier bullets that actually lose velocity fired out of a longer barrel than they do out of a shorter barrel. If it's very rare, but it can happen. But the fact that you can burn a complete powder in a five to six inch pistol barrel, these are ideal candidates for a pistol brace. You get that 8, 9, 10-inch barrel running a pistol caliber in there. You get complete burn. You get super controllability. And with the pistol brace, you have your three points of contact. That's something I could talk about real quick is that when you think about when you're firing a weapon, with a pistol, you usually have two points of contact, both your hands. And you're reasonably stable, but a rifle is even more stable because you have both your hands and a shoulder. So you have three points of contact. If you have any doubt how this works, take two fingers, put it on the table, pivot it back and forth. You can see how much movement there is. Then take three fingers, put it on the table, and see how much less movement you have with that, how many less ways you have to move those fingers around. makes a huge difference. So anytime you can add a third point of contact to a weapon that normally only has two points of contact – that's something you need to take in as an advantage. That in it, that is an advantage you should take advantage of. So if you had, don't have a pistol brace weapon yet, definitely look into it. They are just amazing at how handy they are, how they convert weapons that are normally much more awkward, harder to use into something compact, fun to shoot, and so much more effective. You know, it's just, and plus there's car- carrying. Like I say, if you're in a vehicle and you want to have a rifle of cartridge available to you, get the rifle cartridge pistol with a pistol brace on it, and you can gain almost all the effectiveness out of having a regular rifle out of a pistol size package. And with the pistol brace, you still get the three points of contact. So, But anyway, if you're building a pistol caliber carbine, all of a sudden you can drop the barrel length down to under six inches if you wanted to. And put a pistol brace on it and add three points of contact to your pistol caliber cartridge. There you go. So now, you know, you see all these submachine guns that are running, you know, 9mm, 10mm, 45s. And until now, you had to get a 16-inch barrel on these, which means you had to make it. uh, It it was from a nice compact package into a kind of awkward little longer 
situation when you turn a pistol caliber into a rifle. It takes away a lot of the advantages, but now with a pistol brace, you can gain all the advantages that these pistols have when you put them into a submachine gun type platform. Of course, these are semi-automatic, so they're not machine guns, but you know, your MP5s, your Scorpions, things like that, all these can be run with pistol braces and be in extremely compact packages. Makes them so much more compatible for everyday use. Roger, where uh, where's the easiest place to get a a pistol brace? Right. Yeah. Oh, um, they sell almost any gun store probably has some weapons with them already installed on them. You can buy them online. They are not a registered part, so you can have them shipped right to your house. It's just an accessory. You can find them online at probably five hundred different retailers that sell them. There are various brands. And now they're starting to make copies of some of the more popular ones, too. I saw them at the gun show this weekend. They were running about 60 to $80 each. And they fit right onto a standard carbine buffer on an AR, which means you could run it as a, as a stock, but it has the brace. Usually it's a long Velcro strap with rubber arms that come out that wrap around your forearm, and you wrap the Velcro around if you were going to use it the way it was originally intended, which almost nobody does. But, like I say, the fact that it's adjustable... Now, there was some issue with the ATF at one point where they said if you put it on your shoulder, you were violating the law. But if you put it against your cheek or chin or jawbone, that was okay. And they have since rescinded that and said, no, just because you're using it differently doesn't change it into a different weapon. So now you're allowed to actually shoulder a pistol brace if you want to and use it as a quote-unquote stock, even though it's not legal for that. But, you know, and right now the ATF is kind of bad. They've been back and forth on this a few times. But now I believe the last numbers I saw, there were 4 million of these in circulation purchased last I checked. So they're out there everywhere. You can pick them up almost anywhere, and there's no restriction on buying them. You know, if you have a a 10-year-old who wants one, he can buy the brace. So (laughs) do you say I have a Glock uh, 8-millimeter or or 9-millimeter? I don't know where I came up with it. But anyway, is that what you say, or what do you... You could put a pistol brace onto a Glock 9mm, as long as it has the arm strap and meets all the criteria of a pistol brace. Now, most of the time, what they'll do is build them into a little bit bigger package, like a submachine gun, like an MP5 or a CZ Scorpion. They'll build those with short barrels, as they were originally designed to be, and run with a pistol brace on them. Now, for the Glock, there's a company out there, I think it's CCA or CAA. They build a chassis system that fits your Glock into it and has a folding pistol brace built on and a little barrel extension and... Has an extra place to hold extra magazine stuff. It's a really cool, compact little package that all you have to do is provide the Glock pistol or the Beretta pistol, whatever kind of pistol you have. They make them for a bunch of varieties of different pistols, and your pistol fits right in there. And once it clips into place, you can still remove it and use it as a handgun, or you leave it clipped in that little chassis system and use it as a pistol caliber carbine. With a pistol brace on it. So it's still a pistol, but it just has the brace, which gives you more stability. You add that third point of contact. And those are really neat, too. Those have become huge. I've seen those sold at all the gun shows for a long time now, and people just clamor for those. Because it adds things that you don't have on the Glock. Like, it adds extra rails. You can add lights. You can add lasers. You can put a sight on top of it. Things that you wouldn't do with just a standard pistol. You can actually equip it as you would a submachine gun-sized weapon. Do many uh, of your ranges uh, have those available 
for use to see how. Oh, to rent one, yes. Um, I guess that would really depend on the, the range. Most good ones will probably have at least a pistol caliber carbine set up with a pistol brace on it. Cause that's a very fun gun to shoot. And having a pistol brace on a, a pistol or a pistol caliber carbine like that makes it so much more fun and more compact. I was just thinking, you know, you go to a range, you, uh, you shoot without a brace, and you know you look at your target. Right. They <laughs> can put the brace on. Right, and do a comparison. Yeah. Now the little CAA one, you can actually take the gun in and out of the chassis very easily. So you could try that easily. And once you get that thing shouldered, and you have the three points of contact there, you're going to see a huge difference in your range and your capability. It's going to make a massive difference. The biggest thing is the, the ability to mount a sight on it. You can put a hollow sight on any pistol now, most of them, if they're cut for it. But here you can put a scope, you could put a red dot sight, you could put a laser, or you could put a combination. I know a guy who was running, he had a laser with a red dot sight. So it made it that much faster for him to line that thing up because he could spot the laser, line it up through the optic, and boom. He had very fast alignment on that. Made it very easy to shoot and shoot accurately. And it extended his range because he was more steady. Because the pistols, their biggest range limitation is not the cartridge or the barrel. It's holding it steady with just two hands and trying to make a hit at a distance. With the pistol caliber carbines built with a pistol or the pistols built with a, with a brace, you have a huge advantage at range too. You can probably double the range of a standard pistol cartridge when you're shooting it with a pistol brace. So it's something to consider. Now, of course... There are certain limitations, but we can cover that another day. So, but if you get out, get out there and get a chance, look at the pistol braces. If you don't have one, buy one just to play with it. You can always get rid of it if you don't like it, but I think you'll love it. All right. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.